Welcome back to Boilers and Beyond. I'm Jordan Jones. Purdue got itself some roadkill this week, emphatically taking down rival Indiana before running past Iowa. We'll talk about the pair of victories here on the show today with some recap of them, with some takeaways from the week that was, uh, as Purdue moved itself a little bit closer to repeating as Big Ten champions. Then, some thoughts on the week ahead. Purdue hosts Michigan and travels to Rutgers. Before answering your questions, does Purdue need to get Miles Colvin on the floor more? What's going on down south in Bloomington? All of that coming. Let's get on into it. If you don't, be sure to follow along on Twitter, at Boilers Beyond. Lots to talk about there. Come join the conversation. You can always send in questions for the show on Twitter there or over email, boilersandbeyondpod at gmail.com. And please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, we are just under two months away from Selection Sunday as I record this on Sunday, January 21st, early on in the morning. Um, there's going to be a lot you want to listen to from now until then. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss any of it. Really good week for Purdue here. Purdue goes down to Indiana, wins 87-66 to before heading to Iowa, winning 84-70. to Purdue sits now at 17-2, 6-2 in Big Ten play, half a game behind Wisconsin for the lead in the Big Ten. Wisconsin suffered its first conference loss this week, losing at Penn State uh, right after Purdue beat Indiana. That's a significant evening of results. That's one that really could loom large in the Big Ten race. We'll see. But, you know, overall, this is a really strong week. I think when you look at the Big Ten calendar, when you look at the schedule, these weeks where you have two road games are ones you circle because we know it's difficult to win on the road in the Big Ten. We know it's difficult to win on the road anywhere. We discussed that in great detail last week. But you're also going in this stretch to Indiana, a place where it's always hard to play, especially when you're Purdue. In-state rivalry, uh, Purdue you know, had the upper hand going into that game. Uh, Indiana had a lot to gain there. Uh, same with Iowa. You know, that's one that would have cemented Iowa's tournament resume. Purdue goes in there and emphatically wins both these games. That's how you win Big Ten titles, uh, to go on the road and take care of business against a, a big-time rival and against an NCAA tournament-caliber team. Purdue entered this week just 1-2 and two on the road, and that question was out there about Purdue away from Mackey Arena, and specifically in true road games, because Purdue's done really well in neutral site environments. But now Purdue goes on the road, gets two wins. It's above 500 in road play. It's now halfway through its away games in Big Ten play. You've gotten the trip to Bloomington out of the way. That's one of your tougher ones, at least in terms of atmosphere. Uh, Wisconsin, Illinois, certain will be up there. You don't go to Michigan State this year. You got Maryland out of the way with no student section. You'll take that little advantage. But, you know, it, it was a really good week. It's, it's a week that really cements Purdue as one of the top teams in the nation. You know, you look across the country and, and Kansas loses another road game. 
Uh, I mean, that's the number three team in the nation who loses another road game to a West Virginia team that's not particularly good. Uh, UConn goes to Villanova, who's not a very good team last night. UConn holds on, but boy, they they labored a little bit. It's not easy to do this, and Purdue went out and had a really strong week. You know, that game in Bloomington, uh, just a great performance by Purdue. Purdue dominated that game from the jump. Indiana got off to a nice little start. McKenzie and Baco gets hot, and then Purdue flips that thing, and it's up 22 at halftime. At that point, <clears throat> you know, you knew IU would make a little bit of a run. It, it was inevitable. Uh, I... I mean, unless you really thought Purdue was going to go do the same thing in the second half and win the game by 40, which I did not, um, it, it was a little inevitable. But Purdue responded well. Indiana cut it to nine, and then Purdue didn't let it get any further. That one looked like it meant a lot to Purdue's players. The last two years had undoubtedly been disappointing. You know, Purdue had gone one and three against Indiana. The one win certainly did not feel like much of a win when Purdue won that game by one in Mackey Arena on senior night for Travion Williams, Sasha Stefanovic, Eric Connor. Um, am I missing someone from that group? I don't know. But that one didn't really feel like a, a huge win. And the other three, obviously, Purdue loses, including both those at Assembly Hall. Purdue had that killer instinct down there. Purdue did not take its foot off the gas at any point. Uh, Purdue Purdue just kept getting the ball into Zach Eady, and Purdue kept generating really high-quality shots. And when you do that, Purdue's in for a lot of success. It's not a great Indiana team. You know, I got a question about it to answer later, but it's primed to miss the NCAA tournament. It's picking up flagrant fouls at an alarming rate. The fan base is getting restless. But even with all of that, it is never easy to go down to Bloomington and win. I, I've watched Purdue go down there against worse Indiana team and you know need a, a Robbie Hummel three late in the game against one of Tom Crean's first teams to get out of there alive. Um, you know, an Indiana team that wasn't great with you know the Caleb Swanigan Thomas Bryant double charge game or double foul game, you know, all of these things you know, in the past where Purdue has struggled to be not so great Indiana teams down there because it's it's a tough place to win. And Purdue made that look anything but tough on Tuesday night. With Iowa, you know, the Hawkeyes got off to a nice start. I thought Iowa played fairly well in the game. I, Iowa's not great. It's not a, you know, it's not a top contender in the Big Ten, but it's a solid enough team that can really score on you. Where Iowa isn't what it has been in years past is that it's not a team that just lights you up from three-point range. Iowa goes five for 17 from three, and it's almost you know less about that percentage and more about Iowa only shooting 17 threes because that's not something you've seen a lot from Iowa in recent years. You know, that number was more like 27 in recent years. You know, Jordan Bohannon, um, oh, what the hell is his name? Wieskamp, uh, CJ Frederick when he was there. Iowa would shoot more threes. That's not exactly Iowa's game now. 
And I think that played into a little bit of what Purdue wants. Um, Iowa doesn't really play a lot of defense, so Purdue scored like crazy. And where Purdue really dominated this game was on the glass. Purdue out-rebounds Iowa 50-24, to a 26-rebound advantage. Purdue pulls down 19 offensive boards. That's massive. That's absolutely massive. That, that changes the game right there. That flips the game on its head a little bit. Because these two teams, you know, both shot about the same percentage. Iowa, in fact, uh, shoots 1% better than Purdue. But Purdue gets eight more shot attempts. Purdue goes to the line five more times. Uh, Purdue, Purdue is just the better team. And again, it's the same deal as Indiana, where Purdue had that 14-point halftime lead. And Iowa didn't go away, but Purdue never let Iowa really flirt with winning that thing. Iowa never got closer than eight. It felt like the whole second half, that thing was like a nine to 15 point advantage for Purdue. Iowa's a solid team. It was a good crowd in Carver-Hawkeye. It's not the loudest environment in the Big Ten, but you know, for all the snow they got there, it was nearly a sellout. Uh, you could hear, you know, the crowd was into it. Uh, you know, it's always going to be that way with the top team in the league coming to town. Of course, it's right around the Chris Street anniversary as well. Uh, that gets the people going in Iowa. Uh, I had the privilege to go to a game when they remembered Chris Street once. Uh, really, really cool, sad stuff. But, uh, you know, around that anniversary, it's always going to be a big time crowd in Iowa. Um, and it, it was a good turnout. If you look at this week just, you know, from the point spreads, from the gambling side of things, you know, Purdue covered the spread in both of these with ease. And that's, you know, you can look into the whole good teams win, great teams cover type of stuff all you want. I don't know how true it actually is, but, you know, Purdue won these games emphatically. And, you know, he'll take that. Another just remarkable week for Zach Eady. This is three games in a row where he's had 30-plus points, 10-plus boards. First player to do that uh, per Jared Burson since Michael Beasley back in 2008. If you want a little bit of a throwback college basketball name there. 33-14 and 14 against Indiana, 30-18 and 18 against Iowa. He is well on his way to being named National Player of the Year for the second season in a row. Guys... I don't want to beat this drum too much because I say it every week. Enjoy it because you will never see something like this again. I feel pretty confident in saying that. You'll see other dominant players come through Purdue. You'll see guys win Big Ten Player of the Year. You may see someone else win National Player of the Year. I don't know. But it's only happened to three players in over 125 years of Purdue basketball he's primed to be the first guy to repeat his player of the year since the 80s. This is remarkable. And when you factor in his story of not playing basketball till he was 16, this is this is nuts. This is something you're never going to see again. Braden Smith it is not scoring the ball particularly well right now. He's on a cold stretch shooting. It happens. It happens. But he is still delivering really high value to this team. 
against Indiana, I, I thought he played a really good game. And he shot two for 14 from the field. Now, how is that possible? How do you, how do you play a good game despite going two for 14 from the field? Well, his shot selection was good. He moved the ball well, had nine assists, didn't turn the ball over much, rebounded, uh, did everything you need him to do. The shots just didn't fall. On that turnover, you know, it's no coincidence here. Purdue had two big road wins this week by double digits, 19 total turnovers this week. You'll live with that all day. That's good. Nine assists for him in both these games. You know, Braden Smith is putting up assist numbers that we haven't seen at Purdue in in my lifetime. Um, you know, I don't know how far back you go, but this is pretty crazy. He's really, really moving the ball well. You know, yeah. He missed shots, but if you're Purdue, you're fine with missed shots because you rebound at such a high level. The turnovers are why it kills you because you can't rebound a turnover. You can rebound a missed shot. If Purdue's getting shots up and you know just giving itself a chance to get offensive boards, you know I don't I don't have numbers here, but I wonder. You know, Braden Smith goes four for 12 and two for 14. So what is that? Six for 26 this week from the floor. But I wonder how many points were generated off of his misses. If you turn that into a shooting percentage, probably pretty decent. Uh, And that's just kind of the game Purdue plays here because it is so good at rebounding. I don't think there's any reason for concern from him from a shooting perspective because He's taking good looks. He's not forcing it. That's the sign of a special point guard is when he's not scoring and he's still delivering the utmost value to this team. You know, last year, there was some deserved criticism of Purdue's guard play. And coming into this year, there was some rightful skepticism of Purdue's guards. But at this point, you know, 19 games in, about two-thirds of the way through the regular season, I am not sure what more anyone could have hoped for from Purdue's backcourt than this. Lance Jones has been big time for Purdue all season, and this week really encapsulated that. He shoots at an insane volume, and you're, you got to live with it at this point, Um because he's he's making shots. You know, he's only shooting 34% from three, but he has a knack for hitting them at the biggest times. He, you know, this week, it really hits shots at the biggest times against Indiana when, you know, the Hoosiers are going on a bit of a run. He knocks down shots to really stave off those runs. Same deal against Iowa. He hit a big one early on in the second half and then hits the one late to put the game away. He has the basket, you know, that every Purdue fan is going to remember from this win at Indiana when Zach Eady goes diving on the floor, flips it up to Lance Jones, who beats Indiana down the floor to lay it in. He's been awesome. He's been everything. He's been way more than Purdue fans could have hoped for. He really has been. Um just a great, great addition for Purdue. He's doing everything you could want. And the folks who, you know, come out of the woodworks every time Fletcher Lawyer has a rough game, 
Well, uh, they're quiet right now. 43% from three on the season. 19 points on six shots against Indiana. Uh, Hits some big shots against Iowa. Finishes with 12 points, 50% from the floor. He's playing well. He's playing really well. Uh, I... I know he is not the, you know, he's not the most all-around, brilliantly crafted shooting guard of all time. But, you know, he doesn't need to be Kobe Bryant. He's doing exactly what Purdue needs him to do. He's knocking down threes. He's taking good ones. He's getting to the bucket. He's been fantastic. Uh, he, he's been great for Purdue. The Boilermakers aren't just winning with their backcourt in play. But the backcourt is playing a huge role in why Purdue is winning right now. And that's that's as big of a compliment as you can give them when, you know, obviously you're winning because of Zach Eady. Um, but the backcourt's been great. And I, if you look for reasons, you know, over the next two months to be really optimistic about Purdue, the backcourt playing like this is a great reason to be optimistic about Purdue I think you really saw Ethan Morton's value come out this week. Um, In the second half, Indiana comes out and gets on that run to cut it to nine. I don't know what the score was when Ethan Morton checked in, but he really turned the water off for Trey Galloway. The guy for Indiana who had kind of sparked that run, hit a couple of threes. I think he got downhill and hit a layup. Um did the best job of anyone on Tony Perkins. I was a little surprised Morton didn't play more against Iowa, to be honest with you. Uh, he only played nine minutes. Uh, I thought he did really well defensively. But, you know, Purdue can be vulnerable to guards making plays on you. Uh, everyone can, but Purdue specifically. Morton is the best perimeter defender on the roster, and he's done a really nice job at limiting some guys. He's not the all-out stopper that like a Chris Kramer or No Gel Eastern was for Purdue, but he's a pretty good defender. He is the definition of a glue guy. You know, he's I know he's not a scorer. I that could not be more more obvious to anyone who watches this. But Purdue doesn't need him to be when the guards are playing the way they are and Zach Eady's doing his thing, Purdue doesn't need him to be a scorer. The value he's bringing right now is really, really big-time stuff. And as you look ahead to some of the better guards Purdue's going to face, you can feel pretty good about bringing Ethan Morton off the bench and giving them a different look and giving them something to, to slow them down a little bit. Uh, because right now, he, he's really doing some nice things for you. All right, this week ahead, Purdue gets Michigan at home on Tuesday night. That's a 9 o'clock tip-off. Remember, no Doug McDaniel for Michigan. It's an away game. He is suspended for away games right now. He can play in Ann Arbor. He can't play in away games. Michigan says it's an academic deal. I have no idea. Um, always something at Michigan. Michigan and Illinois, man. Those two schools... Those two basketball programs hate each other, and there is always something with those two, whether it is on-the-court drama, off-the-court drama. Those two, uh, they're a bit of a soap opera. But, you know, Michigan hasn't exactly been 
good this year. Um, good at all. Michigan's a bit of a disaster. Uh, sorry, I'm just pulling up Michigan's record. 7-11 and 11 here and uh, not good in Big Ten play. Projected to go 11-20 and 20 and 6-14 and 14 in Big Ten play on Ken Palm. Yeesh. I don't know what's going on up there. I don't know how long Jawan Howard will or won't be there. But it is fair to wonder, for a team like this that's 7-11, and 11, how much juice will Michigan have to go on the road for a late tip? It's a really good team they're playing. Purdue's probably going to be number two in the AP poll again. So we'll see. Uh, you know, we'll see if that's enough to spark Michigan. But uh, Purdue should feel pretty good about its chances there. And then Sunday afternoon, Purdue goes to Rutgers, a game where I believe if Purdue Purdue wins, the seniors will have now won in every Big Ten arena. Uh, pretty cool thing to say they've done there. Uh, it's not an easy place to win, and it certainly hasn't been for Purdue in recent years. You look at uh, losing there, what, the year before COVID, Purdue lost there. I don't remember if Purdue played there during the COVID year. Um, Ron Harper Jr.'s shot was two years ago. Purdue didn't play there last year, so... I guess it's been a while since Purdue won there, but Purdue hasn't played there a ton. But uh, yeah, a tough place to play. Uh, Sunday afternoon game should be a good crowd at Rutgers. It is not a particularly good Scarlet Knights team, so that should bring you some solace. Uh, they play Illinois today, uh, and then I guess they have a week off. So I guess that helps Rutgers. Uh, they get a full seven days to prepare for Purdue. We'll see. But, uh, you know, this is another week for Purdue where Purdue's going to be big, big favorites in both. Ken, Prom, Ken Palm projects double-digit wins for both these games. It's easier said than done to just keep on beating the teams you should win. But that's the task at hand for Purdue. We'll see what it can do. Uh, I think you should feel good about both these matchups. We'll see. Uh, but Purdue's in great shape. A few questions, Q&A here on the way out. Uh, Brian asked, would obviously like to know about Trey Kaufman-Wren's injury if you have any updates. I do not. Uh, I do know this. I listened to Matt Painter's post-game press conference. He did not come across as overly concerned about Trey Kaufman-Wren's injury. Now, I don't want to overanalyze you know, the way he speaks or his inflection tone or anything. Uh, that's a fool's errand, but... It didn't really sound like he was too worried. We'll see. Um, he came back to the bench in that game, so that's probably a good sign. Uh, obviously, it goes without saying, him missing time would hurt Purdue. That would be a real bummer. He can score for you. He can play both the four and the five. He's a really good piece. Uh, he'd be missing a lot if he missed time. We'll see if that's the case or not. Best bench player right now? and most important bench player right now. Uh, I'd say Mason Gillis to both of those. Um, you know, his effort has been tremendous. He's having a great season for Purdue. He's doing it, you know, in a in a way that's, you know, pretty unsung, right? You know, he's scoring six points a game, but he's shooting 50% from three, 52% from the field, 85% at the foul line, Limited volume on all of those, mind you, 
but he's he's scoring for you when he needs to. His effort on both ends is tremendous. He's rebounding really, really well. Um, he's he's in the mix for for tons of loose balls. He's been great. There, there's not much else to say. Uh, 25 offensive rebounds for you. He's produced fourth leading rebounder uh, behind Zach Eady, Braden Smith, and Trey Kaufman-Wren. Uh, yeah, he's been great. He's been everything you want him to be uh, for a bit of a sixth man coming off the bench. This is an interesting one. Uh, this got sent in. Here's the question. I'd love to hear some talk about potentially losing a game so Miles Colvin can get some on-court experience. Is it worth it? Uh, that listener asks, I would personally love another Big Ten title, but losses make that tough. Um, all right, there's a lot to get through here. So, look, to start, I don't know that the premise that Miles Colvin getting playing time necessarily means Purdue would lose the game. You know, he's played legitimate minutes in some big games that Purdue won. You look at Gonzaga, you look at Alabama. I don't have the minutes played data in front of me, but, you know, he's played some solid minutes in those games. But I get the point here. You want to win every game you play. Winning the conference title is a goal for every single program in America, year in, year out. Purdue fans have been a bit spoiled by that because Purdue has you know, won 25 of them and Purdue has won a lot of Big Ten titles in recent memory, but it's still something that every program in America strives for. When you have national championship Final Four aspirations like this Purdue team does, you want to get the best seed you can get. Uh, you're playing for a one seed. You're playing to have... You know, that Midwest region to play in Detroit where, you know, theoretically it's the best advantage for you from a crowd perspective. You want that first and second round game to be in Indianapolis where you have a crowd advantage. Um, doing things to reduce your chance of winning doesn't help you there and, it, you know, doesn't help you win a Big Ten title. I think Miles Colvin is going to be a really good, really productive player for Purdue in time. That could be as soon as next season. Right now, who do you play him over? You know, the, this premise of like losing a game so he can get some on-court experience, I, I guess that's the problem is he doesn't give you the best chance to win right now. And I mean, what would one game of on-court experience do? I, I don't know. I mean... Just the, the premise of that I struggle with um, because if he's not giving you the best chance to win, then you know the, the right decision is being made to not give him as many minutes. Now, I think this is the perfect, the perfect situation for him because this is not a Purdue team that is relying on him to play big minutes. And there would have been a lot of teams in the not-so-recent or not so distant memory for Purdue, where he would need to be playing a lot of minutes to help the team win. Right now, Purdue can bring him along slowly. Purdue can get him you know, reps in practice. Purdue can get him situational spots in games because it's a massive adjustment to the Big Ten level for what he's 
from the basketball he grew up playing. And that's okay. Like that, not everyone is ready to contribute massive minutes as a freshman. That's okay. This is good for all parties involved. Purdue can slow roll him a little bit. I, I think he'll be ready to go next year. I do. You know, there, there's a more clear path to minutes then. He's a fan favorite for good reason. And I, I get where this question's coming from. He has really high potential. Fans are ready to see it right away. But I think right now it is okay to let him get comfortable with things behind the scenes, let him adapt a little bit, and then next year you really see him hit the ground running and take a nice sophomore leap. I, I think that's a fair expectation. And then to close this thing out, do you think Mike Woodson gets another year in Bloomington? I do. Uh, I, I'd i be stunned if they pulled the trigger after this year and fired him. Uh, that would that would blow my mind. Uh Maybe it should, maybe it shouldn't. I don't know. But, you know, you look, Woodson's first two years, Indiana made the NCAA tournament. Indiana snapped the losing streak to Purdue. You know, Archie Miller never made the tournament. Woodson has. Uh, that's big. That's a big, big deal. Everything this year for IU has not really gone as planned. You know, the roster construction just hasn't worked out. Betting on Xavier Johnson to be that top guard for Indiana just has not really worked. That has, in turn, asked Trey Galloway to be your big scoring guard. I think Trey Galloway is a really good player. I think he brings a lot to the table for Indiana, but I don't think he's the guy you want to be your your scoring option. I think that's asking a lot of him. You know, Kalel Ware has been really good, but I don't know that he's some transformational big guy that you run stuff through, that you run a team through, like a Hunter Dickinson, like a Zach Eady, um, like a Luca Garza, you know, just recent Big Ten examples. Uh, same deal with Malik Renew. He's a good player, but he's not just a dominant force in there. I, I don't know what's going on with all the flagrant fouls. You know, clearly the fan base is frustrated. I'm sure that rubs off on the team a little bit. This season has not been a great reflection of Mike Woodson, but time will tell. Um, you know, Indiana's got a solid recruiting class coming in next year. That's something that always helps a coach. You got a five-star Liam McNeely signed. Derek Queen is another five-star who's considering Indiana. Time will tell here. You know, I've I've lived my whole life in this state. Some of my best friends are big Indiana fans. I feel like I have a solid pulse on things. I'd be shocked if Indiana made a move this year. But if this is the type of situation I use it next year, I'm sure they will make a move. And to a degree, I'd be surprised if it's this bad next year. You know, Indiana is... Indiana does not hold back on making it known that their NIL situation is incredibly robust, that they can go get top talent out of the transfer portal in the high school recruiting ranks. I'd expect Indiana to be very active uh, with some roster turnover, trying to make sure this doesn't happen again. But that's all I've got for you guys this week. I appreciate those of you who listen and spend time with me. Uh, we will be back next week after the Purdue Rutgers game. Uh, we'll see what happens this week, but there will be plenty to talk about, I have no doubt. 
You can send in any questions for the show on Twitter at BoilersBeyond or over email, BoilersAndBeyondPod at gmail.com. Come join that conversation on Twitter. Let me know what you think and be sure to subscribe so you don't miss next week's episode. Until then, guys, stay warm and take care.